Okay, well, hello, Tomorrow's World Now viewers. We are here live in the Tomorrow's World studio. We have a few technical problems with our stream today, so we're going to try out some new technology. You may have heard it. It's the iPhone 10, and we're going to stream the show live, even though our normal fancy camera equipment and streaming equipment is not working properly. So we're still going to give you this show right here live because it's important that you have this information. And I'm going to bring it over to our presenters now. So we're here in the studio, and it's going to be a little different today because we're going to record the whole show on this one phone. So stand by, share this with your friends, and here come our presenters. I'm going to turn the camera around and walk over to them. And please bear with us. You'll be watching a live show from the iPhone 10 today for Tomorrow's World Now. Here we go. I'm switching it over, and here's our host, Mr. Wyatt Saselka, and our panel members. Thank you, Mr. King. Welcome, everybody out there uh, on YouTube and Facebook. Again, thank you. Welcome. As Mr. King mentioned, uh, we're going to bring you the show today. Uh, we um, are going to practice uh, resourcefulness and perseverance, and we're going to bring you the live program. We have a very important topic. As Mr. King mentioned, we're having some technical problems, but we're using, he is literally streaming this on his iPhone right now, and we're going to record it to, uh, on our cameras to computer and put up a replay later as well. This is an important topic with some pretty significant uh, prophetic uh, truths that we're going to cover as well. What we're talking about today with Mr. Peter Nathan and Mr. Adam West is Jerusalem. Jerusalem, city of peace or political quagmire. We're at an interesting time right now. There's an anniversary that we're, we're, we're aware of right now, uh, the Balfour Declaration. And the Balfour Declaration, for those of you who don't know, it was signed at the height of one of the bloodiest wars in modern history, World War I. World War I concluded in 1918, and as you know, uh, it was mass carnage. It was slaughter. It was bloody. It was one of the worst, atrocious, hellacious events in modern history. The war to end all wars was what it was called, but sadly it wasn't. And so the United States, uh, Britain, France, Italy was involved, <clears throat> and some other powers got together and declared and proposed and agreed to the Balfour Declaration. We're going to use that as an introduction to our program today, but stay tuned, share the program, share the program, comment on Facebook, we're on Facebook right now, comment on Facebook, send us your questions, and we're going to cover some doctrinal and prophetic truths that, uh, frankly, most people in the world are wrong about. So stay tuned. We're going to cover some specific things that um, I think most of you are going to, to be very excited to, uh, to have us talk about and most of the world is confused about. Mr. Nathan, the Balfour Declaration, a little more history about it, please. Okay, if I can back up a little from November 2nd when it was signed uh, by Balfour as a result of a cabinet meeting and a cabinet uh, consideration of the wording. Just before that, in the week before that, October 31st, the last cavalry charge in modern warfare took place in Beersheba in what is Judea or Israel today. And it paved the way whereby the British expeditionary forces in Egypt could pass up through Gaza and, and eventually take Jerusalem in December of that year. Uh, so. Lord Balfour was the Foreign Secretary at that point in time, and he was the one who penned the uh, Balfour Declaration, something like 57 words, I believe it was, which literally 
identified the, the, the need for a Jewish home in Israel without, you might say, taking away from the indigenous people who today we call up the Palestinians. So it was a very important uh, element. It eventually was agreed after the First World War at uh, a treaty in France and eventually incorporated into the League of Nations mandate for Britain in Israel. Now let me uh, introduce a couple facts to our viewers. Very interesting biblical and prophetic tie-ins uh, regarding the Balfour Declaration. Indeed, there's some fulfilled prophecy that some of you may not be aware of that is uh, the context around uh, what happened as was a consequence to the Balfour Declaration. Mm -hmm. There's some fulfilled biblical prophecy. Uh, so again, at the, at the height of World War I, uh, uh, Balfour proposes this brief, brief uh, declaration to allow the Jews to have a homeland and so forth without displacing the indigenous peoples. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but what was one of these potentially um, just uh, uh, epic uh, fulfillments of prophecy uh, that occurred at that time, and, and how did that relate to uh, a name that many of you know from ancient history uh, that lived over two millennia previously? Mr. Nathan, you want to talk about that for a moment? Sure, because following the Belfort Declaration, Jerusalem fell to the Allied forces of the British forces uh, strictly on the 9th of December 1917, a little over a month later. Uh, two sergeants walked into Jerusalem, and the Turkish authorities were holding up a flag and so forth, and then, of course, two days later, General Allenby walked into Jerusalem and accepted the formal surrender of Jerusalem. But the 9th of December 1917 equates to the 24th of Kislev in the Hebrew calendar, and it was on the 24th of Kislev in the year 604 BCE that Nebuchadnezzar firstly took Jerusalem. And the distance between those two events uh, 24th of Kislev in 604 and the 24th of Kislev in 1917 is 2,520 years, which is a very important element in terms of biblical prophecy. So, very interesting. So what we're seeing, my friends out there in Facebook land and YouTube land, we're not just talking about uh, recent history or even just ancient history. We are literally talking about the fulfillment of God's word fulfilled biblical prophecy, and we're going to get to some future prophecy that will take place. We're going to get to some future prophecy, and frankly, we're going to talk about some uh, misunderstandings that a lot of modern Christianity have regarding the, the, the Great Tribulation, what will happen during and after the Great Tribulation, and this all relates to today's topic, the, the future of Jerusalem. Is it a city of peace or a political quagmire? So please share this. Uh, program with your friends on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, we appreciate you doing that. This this TW Now is, is reaching more and more people. Uh, we need to reach millions, and through God's grace and power, we will when the time is right. But in the meantime, we are having people that are contacting us, and I know this because one of my jobs here is to, to run internet operations, and, and I'm telling you out there in the, in, the, in, the, in the world, we are getting inquiries from all around, Sri Lanka, South Africa, Zimbabwe, Kenya, um, you know, England, all over, uh, right here in, in North Carolina, and people are saying, I found this program, it's like nothing else that I've ever seen. 
you guys are speaking straight from the Bible. It makes sense. You're challenging me. I'm interested. So share the program. All right, we need, we need to keep moving. I appreciate um, uh, Mr. Dylan King and a couple other gentlemen holding their, their phones uh, so that you can get this stream. Hopefully it's coming through. There's a New York Times article, and for the replay, you will see this. Uh, you won't see it live very well on the, on the phone, but a New York Times article, you can't see this on the phone very well. Uh, Trump team begins drafting Middle East peace plan. This is from New York Times uh, just a couple days ago. And uh, in, in this article, <clears throat> there's a lot of interesting material, but one of the statements is as follows. Mr. Trump's team sees the convergence of factors that make the moment ripe, including an increased willingness of Arab states to finally solve the issues to refocus attention on Iran. Uh, I don't want to get into this at, at all today, but, but the Arab states and Iran are starting to frankly congeal in ways that to me uh, is Psalm 83 and Daniel 11 really starting to come to life. Um, but then it continues, with that in mind, Egypt is brokering a reconciliation between Abbas, who presides in the West Bank, and Hamas, and so forth. The article then goes on to basically be optimistic, and I'll move down a few pages, where uh, Mr. Trump says that he's uh, Israel's biggest friend and so forth. And essentially the article is optimistic that there may be peace in the Middle East, that there may be peace uh, in Jerusalem, that they can broker a, uh, a peace agreement. Uh, gentlemen, what is the near-term uh, future of Jerusalem? Uh, it, will there be peace? Um, you know, there may be peace briefly, but will there be peace? Uh, what do some scriptures um, indicate the near-term future of Jerusalem is? Well, Zechariah 12.3 uh, tells us, And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. And so this is, this is uh, what we're looking at in the future. That certainly is not telling us that peace is on the horizon, at least during uh, uh, this age. And so uh, that very heavy stone, uh, Jerusalem, is uh, while it's being talked about with, uh, uh, as you mentioned, the Trump administration and even that article said that this is, uh, this is a, the world's most intractable dispute. And, uh, and as uh, these things come together, it's, it's going to uh, continue to actually get more and more pressure uh, to, to have a resolution, but that resolution will not lead to peace ultimately. Now, Mr. West, you are the European Regional Director for the Living Church of God. Welcome. Uh, you're over visiting uh, from the United Kingdom and your responsibilities over there. <clears throat> What are you seeing or what are you hearing in the news? Uh, I think it's easy sometimes for us, you know, we, we live in relative peace and safety, and it's easy for us, and I understand that Christians, I understand that any decent human being, hopefully, wants others to have peace. Uh, I would hope so, right? But I also understand that, that you know, it's easy for us to think, well, uh, you know, Jerusalem's way over there, it doesn't affect us. Okay, it's going to be heavy stone, you're referencing Zechariah 12.3, uh, it's an obscure prophecy, you know, what, what's that mean to me? What are you reading or seeing in the news regarding the condition that the Jewish population is starting to see in Europe? And if I could ask you a follow-up question, why should we care about Jerusalem and, and as a city of peace? Does it, will it affect the rest of the world in any way? Or is it just, you know, what's happening over there is happening over there? Well, being in the United Kingdom, uh, the Middle East isn't that far away. 
and as we've seen even this year uh, in London and Manchester, uh, a lot of uh, terrorist activities, but certainly there is an anti-Semitism that has uh, been happening uh, this year. They're saying a 65% uh, increase. Uh, the local press is talking about that. And so uh, these things continue to uh, spread out. There, there, are not, uh, there are Jews all around the world, and, and, and these things uh, do affect uh, many different countries. But Jerusalem is, is uh, as we've long talked about in the Church of God, it's the powder keg. Uh, scripture points to uh, that being kind of the convergence of, of uh, the, the end-time events, uh, and certainly a lot of our... Uh, uh, the readers of Tomorrow's World magazine, the booklets that we provide, are interested in prophecy, and that is, uh, that's a big uh, part of it, is Jerusalem. I want to kick it to Mr. Nathan here in one second, but before I do, I want to uh, have one of our pr producers put up uh, the Tomorrow's World article by John Meekin. He uh, actually works with you over in, over in the United Kingdom. Wonderful, fantastic man, really enjoy him. And uh, the article is The Balfour Decoration Turns 100. And for our, our friends out there listening, <clears throat> if you watch the mainstream news, or even the guys who consider themselves not mainstream news, what you get is a lot of political commentary, and that's helpful, but you don't get much information such as we're giving you today. Uh, so Mr. Meekin writes about the Balfour Declaration turning 100. It's in the Tomorrow's World magazine. Again, uh, Dylan, uh, your people on your phone can't see this very well. That's fine. Well, don't come up because we'll, you know, I don't want you tripping over the wires. But there it is. I know you got a nice iPhone 10. It might uh, might zoom in. And so Mr. Meekin um, <clears throat> writes that on this hundredth anniversary, let's take time to consider how and why this groundbreaking declaration came into being a discovery, and most importantly of all how it is uh, closely associated with the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. There's Bible prophecy that's, that's underway now. And as Mr. Nathan said, there is a fulfillment from Nebuchadnezzar's first regnal year, 604 B.C., uh, to, um, it was 2,520 years later when, you know, you basically had the, the, the establishment or the beginning of the establishment of uh, the Jews in Palestine, in Jerusalem. Don't want to call it Palestine, really. It's, it's, it's Israel. God gave it to Israel. So there's fulfilled prophecy, but there's future prophecy. So, again, the heavy stone. Right. The heavy well, stone. Interesting, because this is something we wouldn't normally think of in terms of prophecy. But in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus Christ made a statement about Jerusalem, where he said, Your house is left to you desolate. Now, this is a city which means the city of peace. You say, city of peace, your house is desolate. Until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. So it's really building on uh, what Zechariah was talking about, uh, building on Psalm 118 and so forth. But it really sums up what is going to happen in Jerusalem and the Middle East, the turmoil that will be there until Christ returns. Now, regarding that terminal, let's move on to, to, to topic two, and I want to jump into a, a Bible fact, a prophecy that, that most of the Christian churches do not understand. They get it wrong, and it's, it's very straightforward in your, in your Bible, my friends. So we're going to talk about this in just a few minutes, uh, and it, it's relevant to topic two, the EU and a two-state solution. Um, what, what will uh, be the future of Jerusalem and, and Israel? Will there be a two-state solution 
uh, that, that will somehow bring lasting peace um, in, in Israel? Uh, will there be um, a divided Jerusalem? What will be the fulfillment? Mr. West, you wrote an article, a commentary, uh, a few years ago. Last chance in Jerusalem. Last chance in Jerusalem. And you, it's brief. You didn't have time to go into everything. But down toward the bottom, you said, is this, this truly the last chance for Jerusalem being divided into a Palestinian-Israeli state? I mean, we've, the Church of God has talked about this prophecy, and you've written about it, I've written about it, we've all talked about it for decades, for decades. This is Bible prophecy coming to life. And so what I want to come back to is that question, the two-state solution. And what is the answer, what is the explanation for some of these prophecies like Zechariah 14.2, where the city will be divided in half? I mean, you wrote about it, Mr. West, yeah. um, you know, in, your, in your article, and then you said, take note of what's being said, half of Jerusalem's inhabitants will be taken, led away into captivity. Where are we headed with the Jews, with Jerusalem, with the Palestinians, and how does that relate to you know, all, all of the earth, frankly? Well, as you mentioned, Zechariah 14, uh, verses 1 and 2 is talking about half the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. But what that's talking about is if, if we have the western half of Jerusalem, that is the, um, the Israeli half, and we have the eastern half, which would be the Palestinian uh, portion, that the city then is divided. They'll have Jerusalem as the capital of both, and that may continue for some time, but then you have this, this uh, captivity that's talked about. Uh, that's going to be the Jewish half of, of, uh, of Jerusalem. And so uh, this is, this is what's, what's uh, prophesied to happen. Now, how is that possible? Wasn't Zechariah written about 20... 400 years ago? Uh, how, how, uh, is it possible that the, that the Bible is God's inspired word? God declares the end from the beginning. <laughs> so <clears throat> we're not making light of this, but my friends, what we're talking about today are prophecies being fulfilled. You will see Jerusalem divided in half. And most likely the EU, which is becoming the beast, will broker that. Daniel chapter 11 talks about the beast uh, being represented as a prince initially, then there's a king, and there's peace treaties, and we will see that. And I believe we'll see it in our lifetime. I believe we'll see it soon. And I believe that Mr. Trump is a deal maker who wants to bring about deals and peace. And I think that we're much closer than many of you might realize to these prophecies really being fulfilled. Not, not, not uh, you know, beginning to be, but coming to pass that half will be taken captivity soon thereafter. We're going to get into what is going to happen during the tribulation. We're going to talk about how long the tribulation will be. We're going to talk about what happens after the tribulation. We're going to specifically deal with some, some, some scriptures that, that uh, there's, there's major confusion about out there. And uh, we're going to save that for just a few minutes. But stay tuned because I think prophecy is marching ahead extremely rapidly. Mr. Nathan. Uh, Zechariah 12. Uh, backs up what was being read from Zechariah 14, obviously, where he talks about, I make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it'll happen in that David, I'll make Jerusalem a very heavy stone. Uh, all who would heave it away will surely be cut to pieces. We've already read that. So, you know, 
we're going to see Jerusalem surrounded by armies and so forth. Matthew 24, the Olivet Prophecy talks to that as well. I want to bring up the uh, the timing. So when this when these prophecies are fulfilled, when Jerusalem is not just uh, divided into two, but but it becomes a heavy stone that all nations are gathered against. Um, generally speaking, what do we refer to that time as? What 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 is that? You know, because again, there's confusion. People, uh, I've I've talked to wonderful people, and they say, well, that was. World War One or World War Two or that was Antiochus Epiphanes, you know. No, no. When these prophecies are fulfilled, what is that generally referred to as um, in in the Bible? Now I want to talk a little bit about that topic now. So that's what that's the Great Tribulation. So yes. so. Uh, so, would you gentlemen agree with me that, that when these prophecies are fulfilled, we really see um, uh, Revelation, um, oh, I had jotted it down, it's not, uh, let's see, yeah, here, here we are, uh, Revelation, uh, I think it's 11, mm -hmm. um, you have uh, the two witnesses, you have the two olive trees, um, you have a trampling down, you have the witnesses being killed, and you have this time described as being how long? Three and a half years, a half time, years. time, and half a right. time. And that is one of the misconceptions that a lot of the world has about the, the duration of the great tribulation and day of the Lord. Uh, what, what do a lot of churches teach? That it's a seven-year period. And it's not. It's, it's a three-and-a-half-year period. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to speculate too much, but we see in the news this peace declaration that's you know getting ready to be put in place and so forth, uh, do you gentlemen think we could be uh, close? And what do you gentlemen think, um, uh, or what would you like to add, I guess, about the, the EU uh, peace negotiations and where you think you know, the, these are going to go? Well, coming back to the whole situation in Israel, or in the Middle East, uh, the question at this point in time is, do we have a two-state or a one-state solution? It's interesting that this year, uh, 2017 is the 80th anniversary of the original proposal of a two-state solution by the Peel Commission in 1937. Uh, of course, sec the Second World War overtook the events and so that was shelved, uh, but you might say it was then picked up again by the United Nations in 1947 with the uh, Declaration of Independence and Statehood for Israel. But it's still not resolved, and it's still going on. It's coming to very much of a climax at this point. Well, and, and one thing that's driving uh, people wanting to create a solution here is the anti-Semitism. We were talking about an article. I think you had a quote or two from this article on Kristallnacht. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's driving. I mean, isn't that driving politicians and world leaders? And, and we sympathize, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we do not want to see anybody... Uh, attacked, murdered, killed. Uh, Christians do not condone violence. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want to see violence. Um, well, the Palestinians have also adopted it, saying it is their Holocaust. Right, that's right. So It's a historical injustice. Yes, that's and right. And so that's creating more, more anger, more hatred, more violence, more back and forth violence. You know, Jew against uh, Palestinian, and, and Palestinian against Christian, and Arab against Christian. Uh, did you, uh, let me note from this, this article here, 
uh, about the anniversary of Kristallnacht. I know you gentlemen wanted to add to this, so I want our viewers to really um, uh, pay attention here because this this is this is some of what's driving the the motivations of the politicians and so forth to figure out a two-state solution because in their human way they, they want to right. they're trying to create a situation where there's peace. Seventy-nine years ago, the article goes, <clears throat> Nazis across Germany and Austria razed synagogues, smashed windows, and murdered almost 100 innocent Jews in a violent pogrom. Kristallnacht, or the night of broken glass, is uh, so described and so forth because of the, the, the shop windows that were broken. Uh, in the weeks that followed, approximately 30,000 Jews were transported to concentration camps, a sorrow foreshadowing of what would come. On Kristallnacht's 79th anniversary, uh, this writer goes on, uh, he says he's compelled to address the rising tide of anti-Semitism sweeping across Europe. Uh, some of my, my forefathers were, were taken away into concentration camps. Uh, you know, there are now people in the school system in the United States and elsewhere that think that the Holocaust didn't happen. So it did. And so, so back to what's driving the two-state solution. I know you had, did you gentlemen want to jump in on the article as well? Because I know you, there, well, there's some quotes what, that really caught your attention. This, this one in particular, because I think it's poignant, uh, the, the point that it gets to. Uh, Kristallnacht is another important reminder that the Holocaust did not begin with the death camps. That's where it ended. Rather, it began with words. The singling out of one group of people and uh, far too many in society looking the other way in the face of such hatred. Nobody is born to hate. They learn to hate. And this is really the, the gospel message of the coming kingdom of, uh, of God, uh, Jesus Christ setting up that kingdom on this earth, having, the, having Jerusalem as the capital uh, of the earth during uh, what we, we know is a thousand years. Uh, there's going to be a, an environment where they're not going to learn war anymore. They're not going to be learning hatred and violence toward any other group. That there will be a, a peaceful coexistence uh, across all the world. And there's going to be a change of heart. And that's really uh, the, the, you know, it, it, it definitely goes into the, the new covenant and, and having God's spirit, which uh, are not necessarily the topics we're discussing, but I think that's key to arriving at that peace in the future. So what will the role of Jerusalem be then? Well, it's going to be the capital. It's going to be the light, uh, really, to all the rest of the world. Peace will flow from Jerusalem. The law will go forth from Jerusalem, from Zion. So what about the Arabs and the Palestinians and those who are not Jews? Uh, what, what about them? God doesn't uh, love them. They don't get, uh, they're not part of that? What's, yeah, what's, sure what's, they are. Really? All nations. That's right. Okay, so you go to Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2, and it says all nations will come up to Jerusalem. Uh, you go to uh, Isaiah 11, and it talks about the relationship between Ephraim and uh, the Jews. And then chapter 19, it talks about Assyria and Egypt and how they are going to be at one. The three nations, Israel, Assyria, and Egypt, are going to be at one as one in terms of eternal in those days. So they become three great nations, three um, centers of godly power on the earth. One of my favorite verses in Habakkuk 2.14, it talks about the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Um, you know, wow, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It won't just be us talking to you all out there and, and a lot of people don't care and don't believe it but Christ will reign 
you know, from Jerusalem. And, and as Mr. Nathan, as you said, all nations will be part of God's kingdom, God's family, and welcomed, and there will be peace. And Jerusalem means city of peace, mm -hmm. and so it will be that for all the world. So what will usher in that time of peace? We, we're going to have the, the tribulation, the day of the Lord. Um, maybe let's, let's, let's go to some scriptures here as we begin to bring the, the program to a conclusion. Please do share it. I don't want Dylan's um, arm to get too tired. He's holding, he's holding his phone right there uh, so, that, so that we can bring you the program. And I appreciate that, uh, Mr. King. Um, let, let me just read a scripture, and, and I want you, you gentlemen to, uh, to, 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 to add to this. But there are many scriptures that are hopeful that we could turn to. But I want to turn to Revelation 19, verses uh, 11 and 12. And this may not, at first people may say, why am I going to that one? But Revelation 19, verses 11 and 12 talks about Christ's return. And um, John, it was revealed to John the Apostle on the island of Patmos. Uh, if you read at the beginning of Revelation, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ to John, to us, to reveal what's going to come in the, at the end time. And here we have this, this wonderful picture of Christ on, on, on a white horse. It says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True and in Righteousness. But notice what he does. He goes out to judge and make war. Mm -hmm. Christ will have to return and, and put down the, you know, the, 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 the fighting, the warring that will happen over Jerusalem, mm -hmm. over that heavy stone that you mentioned, Mr. West and Mr. Nathan. And then just one, this is the second verse. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one knew except himself. So he will be the ruler of all, the ruler of all. Uh, to me, that's, that's frightful, but not frightening. Mm -hmm. It's powerful, but not scary. It's hopeful. That's the way peace mm -hmm. will ultimately be affected upon the earth. Um, what will then, you mentioned the thousand years. Let's talk about the thousand years briefly, and I do want to make sure we touch on one thing, because there, there's, a, there's a large church out there that gets this wrong. Mm -hmm. They get it wrong. They teach that for a thousand years there will be um, you know, no humans on the earth, and, and it will all be in heaven and just spirit and so forth, and it's a thousand years of judgment, and, and it's, it's, you know, what will happen when Christ on that white horse returns? Just in plain language, when I ask some scriptures, please do. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, let me jump in. Uh, Isaiah chapter 62, we go back to Isaiah again, it talks about the future of Jerusalem, and Isaiah says in verse 1, for Zion's sake, which is associated with Jerusalem, I will not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all kings your glory, and you'll be called by a new name for the mouth of eternal uh, will name. And you'll also be a crown of glory. So here is a situation where all humanity are going to see the transformation of Jerusalem from what it is now, where it is a, a stone that creates problems for people, into something which benefits people, all humanity, on the face of the earth. And I think that's important. He's talking about all humanity on the face of the earth. All humanity on the face of the earth. For a thousand years, there are going to be human beings living during that time. Uh, scriptures uh, like, uh, uh, say, uh, Zechariah chapter 8 uh, and uh, verse 5, it says, The streets of the city, speaking of Jerusalem, shall be full of boys and girls 
playing in its streets. That'd be a very diff- uh, uh, dangerous thing to do, maybe today, uh, certainly. But at that time, during that thousand-year reign, uh, and, and as you were talking about Revelation, uh, Revelation chapter 20, uh, and we, we see the reference there in verse 5, but the rest of the dead did not live until the thousand years were finished. Um, but it's re- referring before, that's a parenthetical statement, and then it says, this is the first resurrection. It's talking about kings and priests reigning with Jesus Christ for a thousand years over the humanity, the people of the world at that time. And that's what, it, it's not a, a, an investigative judgment. It's not uh, uh, somewhere far away. There are human beings living on the earth, and those human beings are going to be living in utopia, in peace, because Christ will have come with a rod of iron, and he will have subdued the nations under his hand. Uh, Daniel talks about that, says that, that uh, all those other kingdoms will be crushed to powder, and uh, that that kingdom will stand. It sounds fantastic. But that's what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, there's groups out there that teach all kinds of things that the Bible doesn't, doesn't say. You, you, you reminded me of Revelation uh, 5, verse 10. Speaking of those who will be first fruits, speaking of those who will make it, uh, who will qualify to become part of God's family in you know, the kingdom of God, they will become spirit beings. And what does it say? It says, you have made us, speaking of God's saints... Speaking of those who obey God's law, who accept Jesus Christ's sacrifice, who repent from sin, who keep the Sabbath, who keep the holy days. You don't earn it, but you have to obey God. That's how we show our love to God. It's through Christ's blood that our sins are washed clean, but we have to repent of our sins. Those people will be made kings and priests to our God. Read it in Revelation 5 verse 10 and shall reign on the earth. For a thousand years. Yes. That's what we look forward to. I mean, that's why we're bringing you this program. Because we want to spread the good news of the coming kingdom of God. You're not going to go to heaven and play a harp and just sit there forever and just, that's it. You're going to become, if you make it as part of God's family, you're going to become part of God's family. You're going to be a spirit being a powerful being who can help teach and and you know make sure there is peace and safety. But we'll reign for a thousand years on the earth and there's much beyond that. <laughs> So, Mr. Nathan, I kept cutting you off earlier. I, I probably made you lose your thought. But, but I did. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> but I agree. <laughs> well, my friends out there, uh, we've gone long, and I appreciate Dylan and uh, our other gentlemen um, helping helping them uh, with the cameras. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Hopefully this was helpful. Please do share the program. Please send us your comments. We had one comment on Facebook, and we're, we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and, 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 and throw it out there. It's speculation. Is it possible for Sabbath keepers that they might be forced to live in Jerusalem in the Jewish city of Israel, uh, you know, before Christ's return? And the, the person's quoting Zechariah 12, verses 5 through 14. Is that possible, that there would be some sort of um, forcible, forcible relocation of Sabbath keepers to the city? You know, Matthew talks about raise your eyes if you're in. In Jerusalem and, yeah. and so forth. Uh, clearly, the Olivet Prophecy does speak as though there will be Sabbath keepers. But on the other hand, uh, Zechariah 12 really seems to be talking about the descendants of Judah mm-hmm. rather than the church. Yeah, and that sort of has been my thought as well, right. that, that you know, God, um, he, he remembers the, the, the tribe of Judah. Right. So, my friends, 
I enjoyed being here with uh, Mr. Adam West from Europe and Mr. Peter Nathan. Uh, so join us next time, 3 o'clock Thursday, TW Now, where we will bring you today's news in light of Bible prophecy. See you next time.